Hello on this fine Tuesday, beautiful people. Well, it's actually completely hammering it down outside with rain, so it's not the most fine Tuesday that we've had, but we'll crack on anyway. This is episode 15 of the Clashdown podcast. We're on our usual format this week, just like last week, so we're going to kick things off with news and updates, move on to my spotlight player for the week, talk about the rumours and controversies around the league from the last week and then to finish it off I'll talk about my album of the week so let's get into it. So on to news and updates our first piece of news is unfortunately a tragic one with Jeff Gladney the former cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings who was killed in a car crash yesterday. He was 25 years old and leave behind a one-year-old son just yeah like I said with the Dwayne Haskins news earlier this year just unfortunately a couple of guys were taken way way too early way too too young death's horrible at any age but when you've got guys in their their 20s being being killed in such such horrible ways it's just yeah it's it's awful news so condolences to the family and rest in peace Jeff Okay, moving on with news and updates. We had the Browns tight end David Njoku signed a four-year 56.75 million extension. Yeah, this is an interesting move from the Browns. Uh, they obviously, you know, Njoku hasn't put up top tight end numbers. I was looking at some of the some of the contracts for the tight ends, and it looks like he's actually going to earn more money per year than Mark Andrews will. And then Mark Andrews is earning less than a guy who hasn't even put up a thousand yard season as a tight end. So I can see the the potential. The potential has been there with David Njoku since the start of his career, but obviously in what this would be his sixth season now, and he hasn't hasn't quite got to that next level. So maybe the Browns are thinking, you know, with with Watson coming in, that's going to be a guy who's going to take Njoku to the next level, and he just hasn't had someone who's gonna have been able to develop that chemistry with him. You know, you look at someone later in their career who came on as a great tight end. In recent times, Logan Thomas for Washington, he sort of just came out of nowhere and has had a couple of really, really good seasons. Obviously, he had an injury last season, but he once he developed that chemistry and was given his targets, all of a sudden he's in a very, very good place. And so maybe that's what the Browns are thinking. Give Njoku his targets, give him a good quarterback, and he's finally going to reach that potential. So I think it's still a big overpay for a player who hasn't had an 1,000-yard season and hasn't reached that potential in the, the time that he's been with the Browns. But I do understand the move. But yeah, for me, it's just too much of an overpay. Okay, on to the same division news. Carl Fuller signs a one-year deal with the Ravens. I can't find any contract details at the moment. But the Ravens obviously had trouble last season with their corners, a lot of injuries. They get Marlon Humphrey back off his ACL injury. But they lost Anthony Averett to the Raiders in free agency. I like this move. He was in a bit of a weird situation with the Broncos last year. And Patrick Satan kind of came up to be their number one corner. And I think it kind of put him out of sorts. But Fuller's shown that he can still be a really, really good player. And the Ravens, obviously, after having a fantastic draft, potentially the best draft. I think it's a toss-up and there's arguments between them and the Jets. This is obviously a great veteran sign-in to shore up their secondary on the backside and obviously play alongside Humphrey and then Carl Hamilton as well. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I like the the off-season for the Ravens going well as usual. Final for news and updates, you had the Colts who signed Nick Foles to a two-year deal. This reunites him with Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. 
I think to me, you know, it's not it's not like Nick Foles is going to come in there and compete for starting reps with Matt Ryan, but I think it just shows that the Colts are all in now and probably think that they've got their quarterback to take them to the take them all the way to the promised land I think you could in this situation maybe sign a younger guy who could develop and maybe be behind behind Ryan but in this situation they're going right we're going to sign a quarterback who's been to a Super Bowl and pair him with another quarterback who has also been to a Super Bowl one's won one one hasn't but maybe they're thinking you know if Ryan gets into a sticky situation at the end of the season and he gets an injury or some niggly injury or something like that they've got a veteran to come in who has shown that when you do sub him in two games and he comes in off the bench he can be that difference maker he can make some good comebacks and that's kind of Nick Foles character these days you can't play him as a starter for a whole season but if you want him to throw him into a game with his visor and then come back in a three-score game. That's what Foles is going to do. So I think it just shows that the Colts are all in on this season. So it's going to be very interesting to to see how the Colts play, if there's that chemistry. I know Michael Pittman has said some good things about Ryan so far. And now obviously they get another veteran guy. Foles goes into a good situation where he's reunited with a very, very favorite coach of his. So yeah, Colts are going to be a one to watch out for next season. On to my spotlight player of the week, and we're back onto defense again this week with another cornerback, and that's Source Gardner. He was picked number four for the New York Jets in this year's draft. He played three years for the Cincinnati Bearcats, where he had 99 tackles, nine interceptions, and six passes defensed in college. He was also the AAC Defensive Player of the Year in 2021. Pros, his speed... He ran a 4.41 at the Combine, which is faster than the league average for a corner, which is sitting at 4.47. You can also see it on tape that as he has no problems playing tight coverage from the start to the end of a receiver's route, sometimes you get some guys who are slower at the Combine, but that doesn't matter because as soon as they get on the field, they play, they play out of their speed, and obviously speed on the field is very different to just straight speed off the field but this is a guy who's very very fast off the field and also when you put him on the field that translates into him being able to put that into his coverage his play recognition is elite he can diagnose plays quickly and it's testament to this that he did not give up a single touchdown in his college career which is just an absolutely ridiculous stat so off the back of this he's got elite coverage skills if you man him up you can leave him on an island and he's going to basically cover half the field himself if you play him in zone he's going to do his job so he's completely scheme proof with wherever the Jets want to put him and how they want to use him so it's just going to be a great plug-in and play player for the Jets Cons, he's a tall cornerback, which is obviously great for playing against taller receivers and maybe if you want to put him in the slot as a tight end, but sometimes he plays too high and this leads to a lack of reliability in his tackling. So for example, if a ball gets ran to the outside, he doesn't always lower his shoulder and he's just basically begging the ball carrier to run over him. So when you've got you know established backs in the NFL, if they get to the outside and get against him, they're not going to pull any punches and they're going to have the skill set to, to see that weakness in him. And obviously other offensive coordinators will see that defensive weakness. And so we're going to go for that. Another thing is he's too confident sometimes. Obviously, top cornerbacks need to be confident, but this means that as great as his coverage skills are, sometimes he gets himself into bad situations by being overly aggressive, and this leads to him getting beat. 
Obviously, with him not giving up a touchdown in college, it means he can recover well, but this isn't something that he really wants to rely on when stepping up to the next level. He's in a division where he's going to have to play opposite Stefan Diggs and also Tyreek Hill. So if he's doing that, you don't want to give them an inch because they're just going to make you suffer every time if you get cocky in that situation. So needs to work on that aggressiveness and, and play it to a degree, but then understand not to just commit and to, to play the receiver as, as much as he can without just letting them get over the top of him. Verdict for me is a definite star. At the end of the day, his coverage skills are fantastic. I think the tackling and the overaggression could be coached out of him. And, you know, he's going to a defensive minded coach in Robert Sala, which is ideal. Jets also have some nice pieces on defense now. So it's not like he's going to be asked to be in man coverage on a defense that has no pass rush. So it's going to be terrible for his development and and terrible for his just sort of psychology when playing the game. You know, if you've got a cover for three or four seconds every single play because there's no pass rush then obviously you're going to get beat eventually just because of how hard the quarterback position is to play whereas now the defense of the Jets has got some good players for pass rush I think that's a lot better so for me he's going to be a plug-in and play guy who's going to prosper with the Jets Okay, on to rumors and controversies of this week. So you had Justin Fields, the Bears cornerback, come out and say that he's confident in the wide receiver group. They don't have a standout wide receiver one, but they've obviously got the talent there. I mean, I agree with him and disagree with him at the same time. I think Darnell Mooney is going to step up as the wide receiver one. He obviously had a great season last year, went over 1,000 yards and built that chemistry and started to build that chemistry with Justin Fields when he started games. And so I think they've got a wide receiver one there. Then they've obviously got some depth behind Darnell Mooney, which is great. So, yeah, it's, I think, to be honest, Fields is going to go as far with that Bears team and they're going to develop as far as they can based on how well he's protected. They got some improvements on the O-line, especially at center. And I think this is going to be big for his confidence. But, you know, when you look at someone like Tom Brady, I mean, amazing player, but throughout his whole career, he's had very, very good O-lines and he hasn't always had the top wide receiver group. So shows once you build those players into the trenches and you build up that, that chance for fields to get reps without running around all over the field every single play and running away from defensive linemen, then that's good for the whole team and good for Justin Fields' development. And I think that's the thing. You've got a situation when you've got a great quarterback who's shown some great plays in, in his rookie season, but he also has that running ability and you want to put him in a situation where he can you know, scramble out to elongate plays because of the talent he has with his legs. You don't want to put him in a situation where Fields has to scramble out on every single play because he's got to run away from a pass rusher. So obviously the Bears have said that they're looking at slowly improving that team and they, they don't want to commit so much to offense and then so much to defense and then, you know, have an offset where it doesn't work. They know their cap space still isn't great and they're not in the greatest situation there. So it looks like they're going to use the draft and free agency over the next couple of seasons to improve that and so they're slowly improving the pieces around Justin Fields Matt Nagy's obviously gone and his offense was all over the place so this puts him in a, a much better situation there's been a lot of clips of Travis Etienne back off his injury and I was just sort of thinking about what this means for the Jacksonville backfield and also running backs in general 
Are we, are we in a situation now where teams want to play basically with two running back ones going forward because of how easy it is for, you know, players to bell cow backs and so on to to go down and get the fatigue that means they get injured? When you look at someone like Derek Henry, who basically the Titans offense just completely revolves around and how, you know, they were able to ride that for a while. But then as when he got injured, it completely changed the dynamic of the team. They were kind of somehow still winning games. But it just shows that when you've got that back that you can lean on, that can be a very helpful thing. So I think it's going to be interesting to see with Jacksonville, the whole basically having two top running backs and how they're going to, you know, spell each other. If they're going to have a, a top running back, maybe they're going to use... Robinson as their top back and then have Etienne to to come in and spell a bit more or maybe it's just going to be a real 50-50 split but I think it's an interesting point for just sort of you know the Jacksonville backfield but also running backs in general like how does this affect fantasy football moving forwards if you know running backs are notoriously a, a good investment in dynasty leagues or in the in fantasy football in general because obviously you've got the them their ability to get rushing rushing yards receiving yards rushing touchdowns receiving touchdowns the occasional passing touchdowns so basically everything you could want from a fantasy football player you can get on a running back but if we start to move towards situations where you know so many more running backs are getting taken later in the rounds and they're able to to do everything the team asks for them you know get the rushing yards play well in the receiving game be able to block them maybe we're going away from having a running back one and a running back one actually means having two running back ones and that's the way it works and we're going away from having you know so many 1000 yard rushes and you know you saw how many players were were had the receiving yards over a thousand yards last season it was crazy i think it was like 23 or 24 so that's a lot of players going over a thousand yards receiving so does this mean you know in this day and age where we're all about the passing game that moving forward we're going to be moving away from having just top running backs and bell cow backs on teams i think yeah i think you know teams it used to be very much more a rushing game and we're developing into a situation where it's all about the the passing and the receivers and you know having five receivers on the field at the same time and running with empty sets and so on so i think we're moving towards that situation and i think that'll obviously last for maybe you know 15 20 30 years and then we'll eventually get to the point where the game develops and the rules change and then we go back to having top running backs but it's interesting to to go into this year's fantasy football drafts uh, in the in the preseason and and kind of think about this thing and think about you know not just Jacksonville but you take Dallas you know Zeke hasn't been hasn't been as good as he was in his first couple of seasons and you've got Tony Pollard there so did they just play that as a a duel right we're going to give you 12 carries and we're going to give you 12 carries this game and then we'll ride the hot hand if we have to or you know you look at that situation and think okay maybe maybe that's what's that's what we're going to go with so yeah I think I think it's always interesting to see how the game's going to develop and I think it's going to be also good to see Etienne actually get to play on the field because he obviously got injured before the season last year in his rookie season and didn't get the chance to see the field so I'm I'm happy that he's back and a couple of the receptions and things I saw from the videos from some of the Jacksonville practices he looks very very good as well he looks like he's got a good burst the burst was really really impressive so so yeah that Jacksonville backfield is in a, a very very good situation they've got some definitely some better pieces than they've had over the last couple of seasons in the backfield but just all over the team in general 
Now onto my final rumor and controversy for the week, which was Colin Kaepernick worked out for the Raiders. This is obviously, this happened. It's not like that was a rumor, but obviously there's always been rumors of where he's going to go. The main sort of thing with this, and I've kind of addressed it before, but there's always this hypothesis with Kaepernick that he could be a distraction. And, you know, he hasn't played since 2016. But with the distraction thing, Tampa Bay took her on Antonio Brown whilst he had a suspension and also whilst all that other off-field stuff was going on didn't think he was a distraction. Deshaun Watson is still ongoing with the cases that's happening at the moment. The Browns gave him a 230 million fully guaranteed contract. So I don't think that's really a, a sort of argument for not signing Kaepernick. To me, I think it's just a good situation for a team to sign a player that had Super Bowl experience and can be a good locker room presence and a leader. I think because he's been out of the league so long and obviously still wants to play in the league, I think bringing him onto a team means that he's going to do everything he can to get onto a roster. But also once he's there, he's going to do everything he can to stay on a roster. So you've got a player coming in who basically is, although he's played in the league and did play in the league for a while, he's basically going on to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove myself all the way away from the start once again I don't think he will sign with the Raiders I think the Raiders have got a pretty good quarterback room to be honest with your know, car as the starter Jarrett Stidham who will be his backup and then obviously you've got Nick Mullins behind him so those are players who who can work kind of in tandem and I feel like you know if if Carr did have an injury or anything you'd have Mullins come in and Mullins has had starting experience so seems like a as kind of odd situation for Kaepernick to come in especially when you've got Derek Carr who's such a leader for that Raiders team I feel like it would kind of offset and wouldn't really work having Kaepernick in there so for me I don't think he'll end up signing with the Raiders I do think he will end up signing with the team I don't think it will happen in the preseason, but I think it will happen during the season. That might be an injury thing. That might be, you know, it might be a, you know, want to sign a veteran presence type situation. But even though he hasn't played since 2016, his workouts show he can still throw the ball well. He obviously is a bit past the, the time of that initial thing where he was getting blackballed. And I think hopefully the league, especially with Brian Flores's lawsuit and so on, are moving away from that and moving away from the inherent racism and now moving towards, you know, a fresh slate. And OK, this is how we should do things and we shouldn't blackball people because of their, their race, their colour or any of their political preferences. And so I really hope he signs with the team. I think it will be good for him. I think it's a good thing for the league and shows progression so I don't think it'll be with the Raiders but I do think at some point this season he'll end up on either a roster or end up on a practice squad okay excellent that was all the NFL news for this week so now it's time to talk about my album of the week so my album of the week this week going and continuing with 80s bands we've got Def Leppard with their new album Diamond Star Halos. So this came out last week I think it was May 27th. It's just a great album. Your first listen it feels a bit samey and you're unsure on it but after a couple of listens to it it really has grown on me. I think there's only really two songs on the album out of 15 songs that I'm not the biggest fan of that I, I won't really sort of regularly listen to. But other than that, it's really, really consistent. It's got some really, really good songs. They're currently on tour in America. So if you listen to this, check out the album and like it and you're in America, then obviously you can look at getting tickets over there. 
Favourite songs on the album are Take What You Want, Kick and Lifeless. Check that out. And then off the back of that, if you're in the UK, they've announced that they're going to do a tour in the UK next year. So now's a great time to get into them, learn the discography, learn the lyrics, listen to this album, and then, yeah, go see them when they come over here. So that's Def Leppard, Diamond Star, Halos, which is my album of the week this week. Excellent. That's another episode down. Thank you for listening. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Clutchdown Podcast. And then follow me on Twitter at Clutchdown Pod, where I always share clips from the show. I share news about the league. I share my random ramblings about whatever I'm doing, if that's a current game I'm playing or another album I've found or something silly like that. So yeah, check it out. And then I'll catch you guys again next Tuesday. (laughs) 